What up, though? Welcome to Fatboy MMA Podcast. This is where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the home for you. So sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and let's go. What up, though? Welcome to the Fatboy MMA Podcast. I am your host, DC, and of course, I got my co-host here with me, Locke. Hey, how's it going, everyone? So, uh, we got a, a good one for you guys today. So, this may be somebody, if you're a newer MMA fan, you may not really know, but we wanted to cover him because he actually had a, a fight this weekend uh, in a promotion called Triad Combat. And that fight was very interesting to say the least, and we'll dive into it, but the person we're going to talk about is Frank Mir. Okay. Now, um, before we start talking about Frank Mir, and this is more for some of the newer MMA fans, if you've been around the sport for a while, pretty sure you knew, know who Frank Mir is. He was, a uh, uh, you know, premier level heavyweight in the UFC for a lot of years. Uh, but just to give you a little bit of his background, um, for one, he was the uh, second youngest heavyweight champion in the UFC behind Josh Barnett. He won a crown at 25 years old. Um, he actually didn't lose his belt. He got into a motorcycle accident, you know, shortly after uh, winning the belt. And then he was out for about two years. But uh, he was also a two-time champion. So he came back, um, you know, a few years later and ended up winning an interim title and then fought Brock Lesnar to unify the title and submitted Brock Lesnar to be a, a, a second time champ. Um, he still holds the record for the most finishes in heavyweight history. Uh, Derek, uh, Derek Lewis is right on his heels, though, but most finishes at 14. And he holds the record for the most subs in the heavyweight division at eight, which, in my opinion, he's probably the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu heavyweight ever. I would put only two other people up there in the category with him, uh, Big Nog, uh, Minotaur Nogueira, and um, uh, Fabricio Verdum. But as far as inside of the ring Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, I would, I would put him at number one, you know, so that's just a little bit about his background. So, you know, a little bit about why we're even covering this guy. Cause you may not know that, you know, at one point he was a, a very top tier heavyweight, uh, champion. So, uh, first thing I want to know, you know, like, I know we talked about it a little bit, but I know you got a chance to watch a little bit of that fight, although it wasn't long so uh i wanted to shoot that over to you but also anything that you may have wanted to say about frank mir before we actually get into you know the fight and why we're actually talking about him yeah just kind of one of the things off of what you said you said you thought he was the best uh heavyweight jiu-jitsu player 
I think yeah. I'd have to give that to Verdum. I think that's, you know, tough. Uh, I mean, I could see where you're coming from. I would personally go with Verdum. Nog, Big Nog would be the other one in the category. But mm-hmm. I think once you snap that guy's arm, that's the the ultimate tiebreaker. Yeah. You know? But not to mention that's not the only arm that he snapped. Right. And and that wasn't that wasn't just an arm, if you remember. It was an entire shoulder. Well, yeah, he broke yeah. it in the in the <laughs> wrong place. Because cause he didn't have he didn't have it in right. And it uh-huh. did lead to one of the all time great MMA quotes where he said Sometimes horsepower just beats technique. Yeah, listen, that was, I had never seen anything like that in MMA before. He literally turned his arm into like a can dial and just bent it all the way back. And anybody that knows uh, Big Nog, you know, he's from that really old school camp that didn't tap. You know, the old school Brazilian jiu-jitsu tapping was considered, you know, was seen as weak. And you hear stories about a lot of those guys back in the day that would have broken bones and still finish matches, you know, because they wouldn't tap. Well, you know, I could see that having, you know, not a jujitsu guy, but having grappled a little bit in my day. I get that with a choke. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you want to go out on your shield, you take a mm-hmm. nap. When it comes to your joints, you know, arm bars, kimuros, you got to tap, man. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that, but that wasn't the <laughs> that's not the old school, you know, thought, you know, you especially you hear uh what was that uh, was that was that Helio back in the day that fought um mm-hmm. was it him versus was it Zulu? I forget who it Kimura. somebody he fought and oh, it was come okay. So, you know, and you know, broke his arm and he finished the match and it was like, you know, a, it wasn't like a few minutes later. It wasn't like today's MMA where it's like you got five minute rounds. It's like, no, this is over when the men can't move anymore. <laughs> you know? So uh So I believe in this story I may have misinterpreted. I read it in the the Gracie Way book. Um but I believe he had a feeling like he knew he couldn't beat Kimura, but he wanted to see exactly how Kimura would be able to beat him. He's like, I know he could beat mm-hmm. me. I just don't know how. So I'm going to fight him to find out. And then that's why they now call it the Kimura because I named it after him because mm-hmm. that's the movie beat him with. Yeah. I mean, hey, that's a part of what you do when you're striving for greatness. You know, you don't want to go up against weak people or people you know you can beat. You want to go up against other people. It's a, it's a check, chess match, right? That's how you get better, and that's how you that's how you learn things that you can't picture in your head right away, right? Because somebody else has, it's like, okay, I don't know. Okay, I have this covered. I have this covered. I have that covered. I, I'm not sure that I can win, but how could he win? And now you have to go into that chess match, you know, but uh, also Tim Sylvia, the other guy uh, arm who, um, who Frank Mir broke. Uh, if you remember, Tim Sylvia tried to finish that fight. He didn't tap or anything. Once his arm was broken, he wanted to finish the fight. They're like, no, like, dude, your arm snapped in half. Another fighter, <laughs> another time where Frank Mir broke it in the wrong spot. 
Hey, that's what you got to do sometimes. So it just goes to show he knows what he's doing. But when you're a brick shit house, that helps a little bit where you can put a little ass into it. Like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Elio was a small guy mm-hmm. that designed it around being able to be small and have leverage. If you do that same technique, plus your 6'3", 250, you just yeah. snap that arm wherever you want. Yeah. What 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 was great about his um, BJJ to me and the reason why I have him at number one, I, it's not even that I would argue with Verdun being number one, uh, but the reason why I have him there is just the sheer number of uh, subs that he got, you know, in, you know, the UFC, the heavyweight division. That's huge. And some of the guys he submitted, I mean, at that time, nobody had submitted Big Nog. Like, you, you don't submit Big Nog. You might knock him out. Like, well, technically, he hadn't gotten knocked out either. But you might beat him to a pulp, right? But you're not going to – he's he's you're not going to submit him, right? And he submitted him. And, you know, just the number of guys that he was able to do that to inside of MMA is, is huge. Well, and then there was that time when he was able to triangle choke Fedor. Oh, wait. <laughs> that was the greatest heavyweight jiu-jitsu player of all time, Fabrizio Overdue. My bad. I, I confused I mean, him listen. sometimes. <laughs> I mean, listen, that happens sometimes. <laughs> but, yeah, so, um, but, of course, the, the reason why we're talking about him is not, this is not a Fallen Goat series or anything like that. Um, although he was, uh, you know, a premier guy once. This is really because he just had a fight, as I mentioned, in the triad promotion, uh, triad combat. And what's interesting to me, uh, you know how we talk about different people as they kind of come out of their MMA career and different roads that they can go down, some guys going to boxing, some going your favorite path bare knuckle fighting right some going my path that i think makes more sense going into like grappling or you know catch submission i mean uh um combat jujitsu or something like that right which i would love to see him in for all the reasons we talked about but he was never ever 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 known as a guy with a great chin and he decides to go into boxing so first, I want to get your thoughts on the fight and what you saw. So you know, in that, and then we'll go into why the hell he picked boxing. <laughs> so I, I seen the fight. Uh, I watched it like a like a car wreck. I, I'm just not a fan. So I guess the whole concept of triad is what they're trying to do is they're trying to come up with a way to put MMA fighters against more experienced boxer boxers on a more even playing field. Mm-hmm. But in reality, the only rule is, is any kind of punch is legal. So like backhands mm-hmm. or spinning back fists or, you know, any angles. So you can do hammer fists and stuff like that. And like you had mentioned earlier, it looks like they don't play a little bit more with the, you know, the, the hugging and the grappling, but it's still, there's no knees, no elbows, no kicks, no takedowns. Mm-hmm. So it's still very much boxing. And to me, it just seems like a mean way to feed MMA fighters to boxers. Even though on the day, I guess, actually, um, 
the MMA fighters won more of the fights than the boxers did, but the bigger yeah. named MMA guys lost. I mean, outside yeah. of Perry, I think Perry was the only bigger name guy that won. Yeah, and that was a questionable decision. Right. <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I agree. I'm I'm gonna tell you what they should add. Um I don't know if you remember this, but um what was it called? San Show? Who was the guy? He 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 fought in a few different um he fought in a few different leagues. He came over to the UFC for a while, but uh one of the leagues he was in before he came to the UFC was um I forget the name of the league he was in, but literally they had sand show style matches and it was just for him. <laughs> right. It was like, no, this is his thing. But it was, it was kind of like uh kickboxing mixed with like throws and takedowns. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's Kung Lee. Kung Lee. Yep. And, I couldn't think of his name. And yeah, it was like a lot of hard sweeps, mm-hmm. like takedowns that are hard sweeps. Yep. Now you wouldn't finish them. You you know, you wouldn't right. take the guy down and go on top with ground and pound, but it was mm-hmm. it was kind of like it was, was kind of dope actually. It, it's so I know we've talked about this before. I don't know if it's something that's been out there that we released or whatever, but it, it's so amazing when you look at how dope some of these sports are that nobody has any interest in, but that was one yeah. of those where it was like a really cool mix of Muay Thai and judo, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I think they need to add something like that to try it to make it more comparable. Right now, a lot of these guys are not the you know slick sweep type guys, but I think they should allow takedowns, and you get one strike while they're on the ground, and then you have to let them up. Right. But I should be able to slam you and punch you once and make you get up. Right. Well, that evens uh, it out a I, lot. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, um, you know, I think because so much of this goes, you know, the way of the boxer. But um, but in this fight, I'm going to tell you the main thing that I noticed other than, of course, once again, Frank Mir has never been known for his chin. Um, he really hasn't, he doesn't seem to have, uh, you know, like adapted his striking any to boxing, boxing, striking and MMA striking is not the same. And this is his second boxing match. Right. And, um, one of the things I mean by that is he was always known for kind of lunging in punches. That's why he get caught with so many uppercuts. And especially moving over to boxing, he's a big guy. He has range. It seems like somebody would have really showed him how to switch that over to a jab, use some footwork, you know, things of that sort, catch him. But once the guy that he was fighting, which I'm not familiar with this guy, uh, Pulev, and I, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing the name, but once he realized what Frank Mir was doing, he literally just kept hitting him with a one-two, a one-two, like the most basic thing that you could do, like a one-two, a one-two. That's pretty much what rattled Frank Mir. And it was because instead of keeping his head up and chin tucked, he was kind of doing that lunging in, you know, style that he had. But early, early on when he had that style, 
it was because he was trying to get in a grapple with guys, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't work in a, in a boxing match. You know, your lead hand, you 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 throw kind of like a jab hook thing that you lunge in with your head down. I mean, against, you know, any quality boxer, even if it's not the first round, they're going to pick you apart with that type of style. Definitely. No, you you said you didn't you don't know too much about Pulav. Correct. And and I don't know too much either, but I always just kind of check stuff out like this. And I don't know who the hell sanctioned this. I feel like that's the reason that they go with the tricky little rules like oh, we'll let this rule in and then you know, we'll do it in a triangle cage so that it almost makes it seem like it's evened out so you can trick a athletic commission into allowing mm-hmm. this fuckery. But, uh, <laughs> so this dude, Frank Mir is out there fighting. It's, this guy's a legit pro boxer. So mm-hmm. if Frank Mir wants to go into boxing, I don't understand it. Like you said, I don't, he's not a guy that's known for his stand up. Now he is good in the stand up because he's a very athletic guy and he's got mm-hmm. some heavy hands. But I think at his best, his style's kind of like an American kickboxing. Not even like a Muay Thai mm-hmm. style, kind of an American kickboxing, not not like a slick yeah. boxer type. And the, the, the guy's boxing is 29 and 2. Okay. His mm-hmm. only two losses are to Vladimir Klitschko and Anthony mm-hmm. Joshua. Yeah. In the two an- all time great heavyweight boxers, champions. Yeah. And Joshua was his last fight. So how do you go from fighting one of the greatest fighters in the world. Well, boxing, one of the greatest boxers in the world to boxing Frank Mir, because I don't want to shit on Frank Mir as a fighter. He belongs out there as a great fighter, Mm -hmm. but as a boxing, uh, as a boxer, that's not even in the same, you know, like atmosphere. So I feel like if Frank Mir does want to box, Mm -hmm. I don't understand why he's not out there boxing other, other guys, like and obviously Jake Paul's too small, but you know what these guys are doing, like what Tyron Woodley's doing, or you know, like find somebody like that that's not an accomplished boxer, or if they've been boxing a long time, maybe a guy that's you know a twenty and nine, you know, a journeyman guy, you know, fifteen and ten, something like that. But you know, twenty nine and two is an elite level boxer. I mean, this guy's held titles; he was a cruiser heavyweight title. That's a big jump yeah. up. I think. um I think, you know, the argument there would be, one, I think the guy had retired. If I'm not mistaken, he came out of retirement for this fight. Because I think his last fight was, like, two years ago. I remember checking it out when... December 2020. Oh, was it? 2020? Okay. Maybe not then. And December um, 2020. So, I mean, the fights weren't even a year apart. Yeah. I do know that, um, you know, you have to put in there, other than it being heavyweights or, you know the knockout um i mean it's really no different than oh go ahead so, so who you're thinking of his first boxing match so that guy steve cunningham mm-hmm. he hadn't fought since 2017 so that guy had retired okay. and came out which but he's still another guy that was 30 and 9 mm-hmm. you know so that's yeah. a, a big time heavy boxer but yeah that's he had been retired for a long time that's maybe a little bit more you know, to speed. And that one also went to a decision. Yeah. Well, I think the heart, the thing that becomes more difficult. And what I was going to say was, uh, once you, 
sanction, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather versus, uh, you know, versus Conor McGregor, it's hard to not sanction this fight, right? You, you're talking about a guy that's undefeated, never lost against, you know, top boxers, and a guy that hadn't had one boxing match, and it's not even like he had the number of fights that Frank Mir has had. Frank Mears probably had, my guess, um, and I can look it up real quick, but probably about 35 fights. I know it's over 30, yeah, right? Yeah, he's 19 and 13. So yeah, yeah, so, you know fights. what I mean? So, yeah, so, and I think at the time, Connor had had... Like 12 uh, or so, I'm guessing. It, it wasn't a lot. I'll say maybe, it, maybe 16 at the most, right? Mm-hmm. Against a guy that was, you know, 48, 49, whatever it was, and oh, right? So... It becomes one of those things where, you know, it's it's like the law, right? Once something, once you allow this, this thing to pass where somebody wins, that's what's used as the precedence now, right? So um, for that reason, I understand it. And they look at it as, hey, it's combat. They're punching each other. And remembering that most of these people that are, you know, at the head of these commissions were never fighters, right? Mm-hmm. They don't understand how big of a difference it is between boxing, MMA, kickboxing, Muay Thai. Like, these things are very different. You know, it's a reason why Muay Thai fighters struggle under kickboxing rules and kickboxers struggle under Muay Thai rules. A person outside looking in, it looks like the exact same sport. Yeah. <laughs> right? But it's different, you know? So um so for that reason I understand why it was sanctioned. But um I just think in general it's a it's a bad sport for Frank Mir to be in. He should go where his strength is, which is grappling. And I'm not sure whether it's a situation where he just loves the combat so much or if it's a money issue and with a lot of these guys it's hard to tell because although i don't i don't think he was ever one of the you know small paid athletes you know in the ufc but he also wasn't making you know millions like conor mcgregor so and who knows how he spent his money so i don't know if it's a money issue or what happened as to why he wants to keep taking this punishment and you know he's been i forget i looked it up he's been ko'd i think like like 10 times out of the 13 fights that he had i think is what i had saw ko'd or tko'd like that's a lot of punishment that's not even counting the fights where he got hit a lot and just didn't get knocked out it's most of them i mean without counting them all just looking through it most of them are by you know ko or tko which which does kind of make you question that decision, and that's against people that are inferior, you know, pugilists, I guess you'd say. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So it is questionable, and I was actually going to give it to you today and say that for the first time, I think Frank Mir, if he's trying to fill that competitive drive, should be out grappling i think that would be he could really add some depth to a grappling card you know him against victory 
I'm calling it. But no, it don't count because you still beat me to it. Like you still could not wait long enough for me to even no. get it out. Like you just, you just, no. it was like a race no. to say grappling contest. No. Like Frank Mir no. needs to be a grappling contest. Yeah. He needs to be a grappler. That's it. That's it. Floyd Mayweather should but- try professional grappling. They should just do it. Um, but so I, I do think that that would be a better option for him than the boxing. I don't know that it's a money issue because he doesn't seem to have money problems. I don't know. You never know people's finances. And I think he's done okay. But I think it could be a money thing in not that he's poor and he needs the money, but they might be big paydays and he still feels Mm -hmm. like he's wants to compete. He still has enough to go and, you know, make hay while the sun is shining. Mm -hmm. So, no, that. You know, taking if you can maybe get, and I don't know what his payday is, but if you can maybe get, you know, a quarter million, a half a million to lose a boxing match versus, you know, getting a hundred grand or whatever to go fight in an MMA fight in a small, you know, Bellator or whatever, you know, it might be right, you know, worth the payday. No, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. You know, that definitely can be it. Um, He's just another one of those people that I really wish would retire. And I was a big, um, I was a big Frank Mir fan. You know, I thought he was going to come back after the bike accident and just, you know, go on another tear. And I remember I couldn't wait to see him versus uh, Andre Olowski, you know, Um, and that fight never materialized. Well, I think they ended up fighting way later, but you get what I'm saying. During that time frame, that fight never materialized. Um, and, uh, but you know, who knows? I just want, once again, I, I, guys like that taking that much punishment and he's, when you hear him talk to me, he's one of those people that, uh, the conversation that Joe Rogan had with Brandon shop, somebody needs to have a conversation like that with Frank Mir very early on. When you hear him talk, he's not an idiot. He's an intelligent guy right? He's, he's, he's personable, like the whole thing, like he could have had a whole another career in so many different areas where it wouldn't require this kind of punishment. And he, if you remember, he actually did some, uh, before the WEC folded over into the UFC, they, they owned it already, but before it, they brought the rest of the guys over, he was one of the head, um, you know, commentators for that. Uh, and so, you know, and he's done it in a few different things. He's been on some of the shows where he's doing analysts of fights and things of that sort. You know, I just really hate to see these, some of these guys take punishment beyond their years, you know? No, I I agree. And I'd always been, you know, a die on your shield guy. And I, and I think it's just me getting older because this has happened in all the sports. You know, I used to say these college athletes, you know, you committed, you better come back for your senior year. And now mm-hmm. I think uh, you better get your money, you know, while you can. <laughs> go go get the bag. Yeah, get that money. You could, you could <laughs> do the NFL contract. You could pay for your own education. Go back, finish those couple yeah. semesters or whatever. That ain't the thing. Um, but I, yeah, I don't like seeing him, you know, out there taking a beating. Only because, like you said, he's getting beat up in these fights, too. Yeah. You know, it's not it's yeah. not going well. Um, yeah. And he does have kind of a, maybe he doesn't have the natural shit talking, but like the kind of charisma, the personality of like a Chael Sonnen type career, 
you know, where you're mm-hmm. not maybe doing the play by play, but you know, like you said, analyst, you know, internet yeah. type stuff. I, I think that'd be a good fit for them. And, and it's tough because I usually want to make these guys let them make their decisions. I feel like they're grown men, they're competitors. Right. You know, you should let them keep fighting. But when you look, I'm looking at he lost four of his last five, four of his last five MMA fights and eight of his last 11. Yeah. And how many of those last, those four were KOs or TKOs? Uh, three. And out of the the eight, (laughs) eight of the last 11, six of them were TKOs. And then he went on to his career of boxing, which is professional head punching. And then he now has another two losses. And then that's where it starts getting into, it's, it's a little tough to watch and maybe, maybe this ain't for you anymore. Or like you said, go out there and grapple, you know, see if Brock Lesnar wants to run it back one more time, but, but on the mat. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. You, I would too. It's funny. You mentioned, uh, Chell Sonnen, because that's the type of thing that, you know, what Chell did was create a blueprint, in my opinion, for what a lot of MMA guys could do post-career. And to your point, it's it's really just having charisma. I mean, Chell never won a major title, you know? He just had charisma. He's the greatest you know? MMA fighter ever. <laughs> ever, of all time, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but what he did happened on the wave of what was coming in the world of podcasts and YouTube channels and everything like that. He was the first guy, one of the first guys that really, really hopped on that wave as far as MMA talent, right? Not a Joe Rogan or somebody like that, but MMA talent. And now you look at other people that have piggybacked off of that type of, look at what DC has now, right? He went from, you know, getting on a couple of, of course, you know, doing analysts, doing some, uh, you know, commentating and things of that sort. But now, you know, he got the DCRC show and all these different things. And what's great about it is it's not even like you have to wait for a big network. Nowadays, with YouTube, social media and podcasts, if you have a name and some likability, you can go and do it. And you, you know, the combination is always put some of these odd couples together, right? If you think about when Chell had Chell and Ariel, right? You think about Brendan Schaub and um, what, what was the guy named Fighter and the Kid? Was the uh, Brian Callen? Yeah, Brian Callen, right? You look at uh, DC and RC, these different things. He easily could have paired up with somebody, you know, to do something if he felt like he couldn't you know, carry the ship on his own. But to me, he was the type of guy that could do that. You keep getting punched in the head, you know, <laughs> you know I don't know how much of that you're going to have left. And when I saw him at the, um, at the pre-fight, he looks beat up now. Like, I don't know if you saw him when they were all on stage at like the pre-fight thing when they were talking, but he looks like he's aged quite a bit. Like he looks beat up now you know and you know you look at his his daughter is a very talented young lady uh she's doing mma now like i think she was like a really good amateur wrestler high school wrestler and stuff you know that could be an option coaching um but yeah 
it's tough to say because it's one of those things where sometimes people seem fine until they don't know more. And then you look back and you see the slow, the decline in between, but mm-hmm. you didn't notice it at the time. It's like when you get fat, you don't notice yep. as you're getting fat. Just one day you see a picture of yourself and you're like, what the fuck happened? You know, yeah. or you, or the pandemic happens and you wear like, like, uh, like shorts, like basketball shorts and jogging pants all the time. And then you go back to the office and you can't fit in your pants. You mean like that? I know. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Tony Accardo. I'm gonna plead the fifth, Anna. But uh, yeah, so one thing that that was very interesting about that fight, though, and very controversial, was uh, the referee for that fight was Dan Mergliata, and that was one of the weirdest um, examples I've seen of. Uh, ref not hopping in when the fighter was clearly done. Like he was out on his feet, wobbling in front of Dan Mergliata, and Dan Mergliata didn't stop it. And he got hit a couple more times, backed up against the ropes, and was out of it. And Dan was like, it was like he stepped in between them, like he was waiting, but then he wouldn't stop it. And then as, uh, you know, Polov was walking up, finally he jumped in to stop it. But it was like those last few punches he absorbed, he really didn't even have to take. He was out on his feet from, you know, well before that. He probably took about three more punches after being out on his feet where it could have been stopped. And it's not one of those things like, uh, you know, where, where like, um, you know, Pulev was was continuing his combination. No, he had him wobble. There was a gap in between them. And Dan just watched. And then so he hit Frank Mir a couple more times. And then Frank Mir ended up, you know, bagging all the way up to the rope. So what was your thoughts on that? And, you know, what was what do you think Dan was thinking? I think Dan Mergliata hates Frank Mir. Um, because I believe he's also the same ref that let Shane Carwin beat the fucking shit out of Frank Mirror. Oh, that was terrible. That was horrible. Yeah. I, I got to look that up now. I believe that's Dan Mergliata also. I got to look that one up now. Um, that would, uh, yeah, there's UFC 111, I think. But clearly Frank Mir was out on his face, he had, or uh, on his feet. He was wobbly. Mm-hmm. And you said three. It was at least three and good shots, too. Yeah. It, yep, it, you're right. It was Mergliata. Yeah. So so that was my take, is I think Dan Mergliata hates Frank Mir. I don't know what happened. Like, uh, Frank Mir winked at his old lady, or he picked <laughs> on him in high school, or something happened. And Dan Mergliata's not going to be happy until he watches Frank Mir get smashed to death in a ring. Like, that's his life goal. Damn, damn, damn. Listen, you should, um, when it comes time to pick a referee for a fight, especially once you become a main event, right? This is the way it should work. The commission should say, we got three refs. These are the names. You can't pick your ref, but you can exclude one. Because every fighter, I think, has a ref that they just don't get along with, that they feel hates them, 
right? And they don't want that person reffing their fights. And that's the way it should work. You should be able to exclude one. And it's not like it's going to hurt anything because every event has multiple refs anyway, mm-hmm. right? So it's not like, oh, we can only have this one ref for You should be able to exclude a ref. Pick three, the commission. Hey, these are the three refs we're thinking about. Exclude one. And then the commission picks from the other two. Yeah, these are the refs we have on the event. Out out of these, you don't get to pick the main event ref, but yeah, you Mm -hmm. can eliminate one. I think that's fair. That way, Dominic Cruz don't get out there with the uh, cigarette and beer breath guy. (laughs) Yeah, who was that? I don't (laughs) know. I forgot about that. That's hilarious. (laughs) But um, Dominic Dominic Cruz went scorched earth on that motherfucker. He, could, yeah. he didn't just say, I think he does a bad job. He's just like, he's, I think he's drunk. He smells like <laughs> cigarettes. <You're> fucking... <laughs> but yeah, this this was one of those where um, I don't know where this whole, you know, triad combat is going. But uh, to your point, hopefully it's I going away. Think, <laughs> yeah, I definitely think it's one of those where, um, where it, something needs to change. But you know, if we if that's the promotion that, uh, you know, is going to make the fight happen with, um, with uh, Rampage versus, um, Briggs, uh, uh, yeah, Shannon Briggs, then you know I'm all for it. Although I really only want to see that in, in MMA. I just I just don't think that Rampage has anything for Briggs in boxing. Briggs is a big dude. And it's going back to like your point of uh, uh, this, uh, you know, uh, this guy Pulov, like Shannon Briggs only lost to, you know, studs. It's not like he was out there getting beat up and stuff like that. And he's still a huge dude. You know what I mean? Hands look like, uh, you know, some some Brock Lesnar type hands, right? I don't want to see Rampage in that fight in that that boxing match. No, Shannon Briggs is, uh, he was a top boxer. He's an elite boxer. He was a pro. He mm-hmm. was in championship fights. He's not an all-time grade. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he's an elite-level boxer. And, uh, I mean, he might even have held a couple little belts here there. Um, but he's a big boy, and his style is not what you want to fight. You know what yeah. I mean? You'd almost, you'd almost want to be fucking around with like Klitschko or something like that, that's going to jab you to death and piece you to death, you know, and get you out that way ahead of somebody that's going to come smash you. Like, for example, I went and watched the UFC at the palace. And that was Mm -hmm. the time uh, when BJ Penn knocked out Matt Hughes. And I watched, I watched this drunk guy try and start a fight with Robbie Lawler. (laughs) And, uh, okay. And Robbie Lawler seemed down, oddly enough. And uh, there's, a, there's a shocker. You don't say. And uh, it was one of those things where you're like, well, look, you don't want to fight any of these professional fighters, but if you are going to fight one, that's not the one. Because his specialty is what you're bad at. That's kind of like Shannon Briggs. Mm-hmm. Shannon Briggs is not the GOAT of boxing. But he is a giant dude that knows how to throw a hell of a punch. And he'll bust your yeah, shit. Yeah, and I, I pulled up his record. I mean, you know, just go to the point. He he was 60 and 6, right? Like I said, it's not he's not like, 
you know, <laughs> I get he's older, but as we've talked about before, the power is the last thing to leave, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, that's that's just not a good idea. But you know, as long as Frank Mir is not fighting him, then <laughs> we should we should be okay. But uh, but yeah, you know, just to kind of kind of wrap it up, um, you know. I really would love to see Frank Mir retire and do something else. I think he's a talented guy. I think he's one of those guys that um, was uniquely had the right size, had the right athleticism, everything that was needed to be a special caliber heavyweight back in the day. Some of that was cut short with the motorcycle accident, but he had a good career. And now I think he has the brains, at least the last time I saw him really, you know, speaking and everything, he has the brains and whatnot to transition and be a star and probably make more money than he made in combat sports doing something else. It's not like it's a small amount of money in what most of these dudes are doing with their podcasts and everything like that, because they already have a certain amount of a built-in audience, especially when you're talking about putting on platforms like YouTube and everything like that. So I really just want to see him retire and do something else. And if you got that itch that you need to scratch, just make it something grappling, make it something where you still can be competitive and not taking shots to the head. Last, uh, last things from you. You know, for the first time I'm on board with you. I think that he should move towards like some grappling, you know, I think Mm -hmm. you could make, you could put decent numbers together if you did Brock Lesnar versus Frank Mir in a grappling match. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. You could you could sell that. You know, shit like that. Um but yeah, it's it's getting close to that point. You know, it's getting to BJ Penn time where maybe this ain't what you should be doing anymore because it starts to take away from some of the legacy. Yeah, I agree. Well that wraps up another Fat Boy MMA podcast. Thanks for listening. Come back for the next one. That wraps up another Fatboy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at fatboymma55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on one of our social media platforms. You can find the links to all of our socials by going to links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening and look out for the next episode.